Hey guys, uh, Nick Eubanks here. This is my first ever podcast on SEO Nick, so I hope you like it. Um, today I have the pleasure of speaking with Christina Halverson, the author of Content Strategy for the Web, CEO of Brain Traffic, and founder of the Confab Content Strategy Conference. How are you doing today, Christina? I'm great. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Um, I know uh, you, you've kind of exploded onto the scene, although I know you've been doing this for many, many years. You have a background in marketing software, um, but uh, you're sort of uh, at the forefront of, of the whole concept of content strategy. So uh, I thought it would be really cool for some of my readers and just some of the people within the industry to hear some of your thoughts on, on what I would consider to be some of the less asked questions uh, in the realm of content strategy and content marketing. Excellent. Awesome. Um, so I guess we'll just get started. The uh, first question is, what was your single biggest inspiration for writing content strategy for the web? My single biggest inspiration? Probably um, uh, frustration. <laughs> frustration and rage. Um, I, I, was a, I was a web copywriter for many years, and I was really, really, I got very, very frustrated because I was being called in at the last minute for all of these really large web projects, and you know none of the none of the documentation would be ready for me. Uh, there would be a ton of source content that was missing. There were a lot of assumptions about content that clients would be creating. Oftentimes, I was handed a list of SEO requirements that you know I didn't know what to do with because they didn't necessarily serve the audience needs on the page, and so I just kind of ended up backing into content strategy, which I often refer to as just asking the right questions about content early enough in the process. Um, and so I just, and no, and no one was talking about it. There weren't any other books out there really addressing it, and I figured that there were other people that were out there talking about it, and so I went and sort of tracked those people down and got a lot of their insights and sort of wove them together in this little red book, and that's the story. It's, it's crazy to think about that this was not, was not just a commonplace as, as, as far as the industry goes at some point in time. I mean, it's also crazy to think that TVs were black and white now because they're sheets of paper, but it's, that just seems so crazy at the end of 2012 to consider a time when content strategy wasn't just the focus of, of most marketing efforts, especially in the digital space. Oh, and um, it was recent. It was recent. It, like when I went searching, my, my colleagues make fun of me because I love telling this story, but when I went searching for information about content strategy online, there was nothing. I mean, there was nothing. Like Google turned up like 8,000 results, and most of it was not related to the information I was looking for. And that was, that was early 2008. So I think that once people figured out that there was a name for this, that there was you know, that this was a huge missing link um, in online marketing and, and, and in online, you know, user experience and how we were crafting that. Uh, it was just the time was right. That makes perfect sense. Um, so coming from a background in software marketing, I guess what drove you really to take, and it's just sort of a repeat of the last, <laughs> the last question, but what, what really drove you to take the interest? It was, I guess you just saw a need and you, and you said, nobody else is doing this. I, I, have, to, I have to do something about this. Well, you know, that was a lot earlier in my career. I mean, I was, I was doing marketing and public relations for a software company here in Minneapolis. It was just a small company. Um, but, you know, I, just even the small changes that I was able to make to the copy on their website, the way that I was telling the story to 
the media and PR folks, it was just really striking to me how shaping that story online was so effective with regard to you know how people were responding to and and uh, talking about the software and so that was really inspirational to me just seeing you know okay it's not necessarily all about the features that you design it's not necessarily about bombarding people with you know all the benefits it's about really beginning to sort of the you know inspire this conversation or inspire interest and trust versus just you know this push of information um, and so that was where I really became interested, I guess, in kind of almost storytelling online and the opportunities there where you have multiple audiences that you can be reaching out to from you know, a single platform. I think that makes a lot of sense. So, so a question that I think everybody is, is, is very curious to find out um, is uh, what would you say is some of your favorite content that's actually out there? And, and, and I guess why, what, what makes it stand out to you personally? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, I think that the easiest thing to – to respond to that question is probably, I mean, I always say like, okay, so, well, so what are the websites that I depend on, right? Like what are the ones that I have a really good experience with that I go back to over and over? Um, and, you know, I do, I do a lot of shopping online, right? And so there have been a couple of companies that have earned my business simply by remaining very consistent and respectful in their communications, not um, you know, giving, me, giving me choices about how I interact with their site, um, how you know how often they email me and so on and so, you know I mean I, I think an example that's brought up so often is Zappos and uh, but I think that there's something to that you know they offer they have invested a lot in content I mean lots of the sh- you know if you're buying shoes many 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 of those pairs of shoes will have a little 30 second video that they took time to record you know and it's just one of the employees talking about hey check out this shoe how awesome this shoe is. But I mean, spending those 30 seconds, that is such an easy way to draw me in and, you know, begin sort of that sales conversation with me. Um, And I really appreciate the way that, you know, the voice and tone of their emails and how consistent that is across the site. Um, I think that from a media standpoint, a publication I've really been enjoying is called The Week. And I like that publication because they're, they're essentially curating news content, but with a real editorial point of view. And so they're not just aggregating it, right? Like there are people going out there, reading about these different topics, sort of making editorial decisions with regard to what are the most important things, you know, that people need to be aware of on these, you know, on the frontiers of like politics or the arts or entertainment or whatever, you know, and, and, and delivering that information in a way that's really easy for me to read and, and useful to me. So I'm really enjoying that website a lot as well. That's a that's a really good example and that just that kind of opens that kind of cracks open that whole other that whole other realm of curation and how curation with with the the deluge of content that's being produced now. Something like like days of new content is being like of of like literally I think sixty hours of new audio and video content is being produced like every couple minutes now. Oh yeah. Um, and it's just with, the, with just this massive amount of content, having somebody to be able to distill down what's really important and what's really going to make sense and impact your life is, is probably be, I think, increasing in importance at an exponential rate, I would imagine. Well, and I think, too, what's critical about that, and the only way that's going to be effective is if you really know and understand your audience. And I can't tell you how many clients will go into and sit down, and these are clients who are passionate about their product or their service, and, you know, they're 
Fortune 500 companies who are, you know, successful for a reason, and they all really want to do the right thing. But we'll start asking them, you know, they'll be like, our audiences are like this, and they're like this, and our customers are like this, and we'll say, great, okay, and how how do you know that? And it'll turn out that the majority of of the information that they've been acting upon is assumption, or opinion, or based on research that was done. 18 months ago, which frankly, even research that was done six months ago is probably no longer relevant. And so really, you have to understand your audience in order to be able to, even if you're just talking about curating, deliver things in a way and in a format and um, you know, on a timeline that is going to be useful to them. And that, for example, I mean, the week is perfect for me because I get a tweet once a day that says, here are the top 10 things you need to know today. Well, now I can click over. I can skim those top 10 things. I can feel like I'm fairly caught up on what's going on and get on with my day. That's, that's such a good example. Um, I also think it was really interesting that you mentioned respect and, and how Zappos to you stands out specifically because they, they respect you as a customer. They respect you as a stakeholder, you know, potentially in one way or another of their brand and of their business. Um, and it seems, as you, from what you said, it seems like you – you, that really comes across in their communication with you. Um, yeah, it really does. And, you know, it's not just – I mean, people talk a lot about, oh, Zappos, they embody customer service, which is really true, but, you know, you can't fake that in your communications, right? And it's not just about, oh, they'll ship for free both ways. I mean, it is also about they're continually inviting my feedback in a way that is not like, you know, a freaking pop-up poll the minute I get to a certain page or – do you want to chat live with a representative right now? No, I don't. Get out of my way, right? <laughs> um, you know, but they just they invite that input. When they send me email confirmations, they are direct. They're to the point. They're not trying to market other stuff to me. You know, they understand all I want in that email is just confirmation that this has been sent. And I think that so oftentimes marketers are so focused on eyeballs, right? Because that's the role that we've always had. We need to get eyeballs. We need to. And SEO is like that too, and social media, and you know, product placement, and all this stuff. We need eyeballs on our stuff. Well, you know, there are a lot of people competing for the same sets of eyeballs, and so, you know, why not? Why not take this opportunity to create and and share and take care of content that is, you know, that resonates with people or that moves them or that is at the very least clearly relevant to what it is that they need to do every day. That. I mean, you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, why, you know, why, why, you know, if you're not going to do it, if you're not, you're not going to be the best in the industry, why bother doing it at all? Sort of thing. These days, especially. Yeah, and at the and at the same time, I will say this. I think that part of what's difficult or what's challenging about about content marketing and SEO is that everybody's really focused on like this top ten anything, this top one, top two anything. And the fact of the matter is, you know, not everybody can be can have in those um, top those top spots. So I think that uh, you know what's important is to identify your audience, and you can, it's, don't be afraid to be niche. You know, don't be afraid to kind of identify whether it's demographics or, or preferences or whatever. You know, here's who it is that we're talking to. And again, you don't have to be the best in the business, right? Everybody wants to be Apple, which makes me want to slam my head into the wall. You don't have to be Apple. Like, figure out what it is that you care about. Get a good writer. Get somebody that's good at planning communications. And, and, you know, invest in them and empower them to do their job. Because I think that's another big problem is that, you know, we don't give enough credence or empowerment to the very, very people that we're asking 
to create this content for us, nor do we invest in the infrastructure that we need within our companies to, you know, take care of it over time. And I think that that is part of the mind shift that, that the discipline of content strategy can really bring into organizations that this content is an asset of ours and it does deserve our strategic consideration. So I, this is a, this next question kind of uh, is something that I've, I've heard just as kind of an under an undertone within within more so the SEO industry probably than anything. But I think obviously as as, as marketers are beginning to try to embrace this concept of, of using content as communication and not just to again like you said not just to get the eyeballs, not just to get the rankings, but to engage their audience. There seems to be kind of this common problem that that the the people who are trying to to implement. Um, you know, content strategy from the top down are, are running into, and which is, you know, getting over that stay on brand hurdle, um, which I think sometimes can seem nearly impossible when it comes to brainstorming new content with the client. Um, what are some of the ways that you've gotten clients to accept, you know, some fresh or sort of out of the box ideas? Um, well, I think that probably the best thing is is showing them sort of the success that other people <laughs> I'm so sorry. I have I'm not gonna I'll just interrupt your podcast and tell you I got a sick kid at home who won't leave me alone and so I I'm like running all over the house. Sorry podcast listeners. <laughs> Welcome to the life of a working mom. Um so that's so I'm trying not to crack up. Okay, so question is how <laughs> do I get totally my fine. clients how do I get my clients to embrace New ideas. I mean, I think, you know, well, there's two things. I mean, first of all, either they're open to it or they're not, right? And, and I think that with content strategy in particular, ensuring that you've got some sort of a sponsor within an organization is really, really critical. I mean, I can't tell you, you know, when people call us, and it, is, it doesn't happen so much anymore, but like in 2009, 2010, when we first sort of stepped up and we're like, we do content strategy, people would call us and they would be like, so what, what is this content strategy thing and why do we need it? And what we found is that we were spending so much time trying to convince people of the value of the work that we did when nobody in the organization got it, right? Nobody understood that this was, this was like an old new thing that was just embraced like best practices of creating awesome content and that until you, until you get kind of that foundational work, set out, you can't really start talking about any of like the, you know, risky or, or highly visible or new different kinds of storytelling that are available online. And so, it, in, you know, it's interesting that kind of the new stuff that we needed to sell in was like the most basic, you know, okay, you need an editorial calendar. You need to have somebody within your organization that actually owns the content. You've got to have actual funding not just for you know the big fancy campaign but also for the technology infrastructure and the right kinds of skill sets to be able to execute on this stuff and to care for it over time so you know how did we sell that in unless we had somebody that really got the value of it and understood the foundation that was that needed to be laid i it was really hard it was really difficult and so that was part of why I kind of took to, the, took to the road, kind of banging the drums for content strategy. Like, look, we're all talking about the next viral, you know, YouTube video. Or we're all excited about our Facebook page. But this is all, it's like dust in the wind when it comes to, <laughs> you know, being able to, to respond to whatever the next new big thing is in terms of being able to deliver good content that's going to be consistent cross-channel for our audiences. So do you do you have a process for testing new content? So I guess if you're if you're able to have kind of a, an internal 
I don't want to call him an internal champion. That seems so out of date. Um, if you have a sponsor, I think that's a much better word. A sponsor within an organization who who trusts you, who who you know is willing to to you know put their name kind of on the chopping block and say this this is a good idea. We do need to do this. Um, is there a sort of um, a, a way or a process for testing those new content ideas really you know before deciding to commit you know a, a chunk of the budget to them? Yep. Yeah. You know that's a good idea. That's a good question, and I think that. You know, the age-old answer of it depends is sort of plays here because, it, you know, it, it depends on what it is that you're trying to do, right? It depends on what, what kind of audience you're trying to reach, who you're, what you're trying to build. Are you trying to launch something? Are you trying to revitalize a brand? And so, you know, what are the different ways to kind of test those? I, I mean, you guys live and breathe metrics, right? And so that certainly is something. I mean, the, the age-old, like, A-B testing um, you know, you can do user testing of, of actual content with regard to where it's placed on the page, how they're navigating through a site to get at it. Um, you know, doing qualitative content testing is something that, that uh, people are sort of trying to figure out how exactly that, that works. And I think that there are some people that are really, uh, you know, I mean, one of the things that we do at Brain Traffic is we will offer what's called a qualitative audit where we'll kind of sit down with the client and we'll dig into, okay, what, is it, what are their objectives? What do they know about their audiences? What's going on with their current clients? And um, we will literally like go through with like a scorecard and you know, identify, okay, here's what, here's what is of value to you. Here's what's not of value here. You know, from a best practices standpoint, here's what's working, here's what's not. And so I think that that is sort of the crazy thing with content is that it's not just a numbers game, right? Like you can't, I don't believe that you can simply depend on quantitative anal analytics to measure content effectiveness, that you actually have to get people in there, either people with, uh, you know, an editorial viewpoint or content expert or your customers to figure out what's working and what's not. Uh, that no, that I think that that again, you're. Uh, I don't need to tell you how how well you know this stuff. So, um, I guess when the to come back to to, I guess when, once the content is created, once you have a piece of of, of content that that has proven valuable, um, you know, within some period of time to whether that's resonating with your audience, driving more sales, driving more more eyeballs, expanding on on the reach of the brand and what the brand stands for. Um, how do you approach maintaining a piece of content to sort of maximize its lifetime value? I'm sorry, can you repeat that last part? How do you approach doing what? Maintaining a piece of maintaining, content. Maintaining, right. Yeah, well, so I think that the, yeah, I think that the first thing is certainly to put into place some sort of a rolling audit process where you know where that content is, you know who owns it, you know the last time that it was updated, you know why it was published in the first place. Because then when you can return to it, you can better assess its value based on you know, your current business objectives, what you've learned about what's working with your product or your service, what's not, what your audience responses are. And so simply going back, I mean, it is critically important that you keep track of that content and that you maintain you know, sort of specific uh, score basically like a scorecard of what's working and what's not, and you know some of it may very well just be this is out of date or this is no longer relevant or you know is its content was migrated now we have an audit plan and now we go in there and oh this whole section that we assumed was really valuable turns out it was it's really bad and does not up to standards or off brand or whatever and so 
you know, I think it's a matter of just ensuring that your content success metrics are really kind of kept up to date and really map back to whatever your business objectives are, and then ensuring that you have the right people who are just continually looking at and caring for that content. And I will say that this is kind of this has sort of been an interesting thing is that I think CMS vendors have been promising that for 15 years, right? Like we're going to take care of that. We will keep track of all your content for you. We will. Um, you know, make sure that all of it is uh, uh, where it's supposed to be and that it's being updated and checked over time. And it just never, you know, you can't, you can't just make that happen with electronics or technology, it's, sorry. It's, it's, that's such an interesting concept because I don't see like that. Um, any SEO listening is probably just, just cringed when they thought of deprecating a piece of content. It's like, oh, God. What do I do with my URL now? What do I do with with the you know the, all the signaling factors that I had built up to that right, URL? Right, exactly. Um, but I think that's a really important point. I mean, that's coming that's that's coming away from being a marketer and just focusing more on on being you know coming back to your Zappos points. Yeah, that's really focusing on your audience and what's going to best suit the people who advocate for your brand, who appreciate your brand, and it's almost like showing respect to a certain extent, is that this piece of content doesn't offer any value anymore. It sh it should be deprecated. Well, and not only that. You know, and this is what I have always said, and I, I want to get back to the role of the SEO in just a second, the role of SEO in just a second, but this is what I have always said for years. Like, if your content sucks, it doesn't matter if you're in the top 10 results on any search engine because they're going to click through. The content is going to suck. It's not going to draw them in. They're not going to see anything relevant. They're going to be overwhelmed by the amount of content on the page. They're going to click the back button. Like, that happens immediately. So then what is your, what's your investment worth? Right, and so, and I think that I think that the SEO folks today are really they get that, and they're getting their heads wrapped around it. They're understanding that they cannot operate in a silo apart from designers or developers or you know the editorial team or even stakeholders. They have to understand who is it that we're trying to get on this page and what expectations are we setting once they get there. And again, there are a ton of really great SEO people out there who are working from exactly that vantage point. To, that you, you just brought up a point that is, is sort of um, at the forefront of the SEO industry, at least this week. <laughs> right, uh, right. There's a lot of talk this week in particular about long-form content and how, and, and Jonathan Coleman wrote this kind of amazing uh, retrospective piece on, on you know, hey, we, we, we could be doing this better. And it's oh, sort of, yeah, that just was published. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. brilliant. But in, in I, sort of, I deeply admire his work. I'm already on him to write a book. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm jealous. I need, to, I need to do a better job of getting in front of him and getting a chance to work together with him because I think he's, his approach to agile, agile management and how it plays a role in, in the entire user experience lifecycle I think is phenomenal. Yep, um, yep. He's smart but there's, so there, there's this big sort of push for, for or at least there's been posts coming out. I mean, every, it seems like every two hours there's a new one. Uh, this week, especially on, on long-form content and how, and how you know, there, there's sort of, it's, it's almost polarizing the industry of people saying, no, they need to be short and sweet and to the point and engaging and people don't read long-form content anymore. And then there's other people saying, you know, it really takes long-form content to really, you know, dive into an idea, distill all of the points and express, you know, truly the deep, the deep value of whatever this concept is. Um, so I guess generally speaking, uh, have you found it to be long-form content to be more or less effective? Yeah, I, statements like that, I mean, you're just capturing, like make me insane because it's, it's just like this 
oh, you know what, this, this content works for everything and it works for everyone. And generally speaking, this is what long format content does. And that is just so, it's so outrageous to me that anyone would think that, you know, in order for Christina to really fully appreciate the quality of the leather on these shoes that she's looking at, we need to click her through to, you know, long form content about what makes good quality leather and who makes the best leather. And, you know, I, it's just like, I, sometimes, yes, sometimes people want that long form content. But who is the audience? What are they trying to accomplish? What are their preferences? What information do we know that we're, they're looking for that do they need to assist them in their customer life cycle, you know, in the purchase process? What are those things that need to be shared with them that, uh, that uh, you know, will help them to kind of take the next step? I think again. I, I think you know to bring it back to the old adage that you had mentioned earlier. Uh, it, it depends. I think that's always the right answer. It, I think yeah. it's, it's Sorry. always going to depend. Sorry, dudes. <laughs> well, it uh, depends. So at, again, that's content strategy, right? Like, ask the right questions up front. What are our business objectives? What are we trying to do? Who are we trying to reach? What is it that they want? Where do we know that they are? How do they want us to talk to them? I mean, that's all, and that all takes time, and it takes an investment. And that, I think that's the bottom line, is that people are like, we don't need to pay, spend that money. We already know. Well, guess what? The people that are beating you are spending that money. I think you're absolutely right. Um, I don't want to tie up any more of your time, especially if, you, if uh, you've got a sick child. Uh, well, your, let's, your you know, let's so. use the word sick loosely. <laughs> let's put some air quotes around that. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess, but thanks. But I can't thank you enough uh, for taking some time to speak with me uh, this morning. I think this has been uh, just an awesome uh, interview. And I, I mean, I've personally gained some insight into, uh, into a few new items, uh, you know, kind of, that extended beyond the book. Um, for anybody oh, listening great. to this, if, if you have not read Content Strategy for the Web yet, go out and buy it. It's a phenomenal book. I've bought five copies. I've given them to everybody I know who has questions. It answers <laughs> so many questions and uh, is, is just an amazing resource for uh, diving into some of the ideas of, of what content should be and kind of where it's going. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your kind words. I appreciate that. Thank you again so much, Christina. Uh, have a good day and, and good luck. Thank you. You too, Nick. Bye-bye.